Welcome to My Life, Chassidus Applied, episode 421. This program is uh, dedicated and a merit of Rabbaruch bin Yaman ben Menuchelena and Miriam Baschaya Sara Altois, Yukusil ben Leir Rochel and Rochel Basliba Farkash, dedicated by Pinchas Todus ben Miriam and Sara Bas Rochel Altois. I hope everybody had a wonderful, meaningful, and powerful holiday. When I say by holiday, we mean the entire Meruba B'moyedes, the rich holiday season of Tishrei, beginning with Rosh Hashanah, the Aserzi Mechuva, Yom Kippur, the four days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Sukkot, Zman Simchoseinu, Hashanah Rabba, Shminah and finally Simchas all of it makes up a mosaic that addresses every aspect of the human psyche, both from the seriousness and awe of the days of awe, the reverence of Yom Neroim, to the other side of the coin, which is the joy of Sukkot. And they complement each other, as we discussed in previous programs and as discussed in Chassidus. And all this comes after the preparation of an entire month of Elul, which is also filled with and saturated with the revelation of the 13 attributes of compassion. Al-Tareb explains with the example of the Mela Basada, the king in the field, why there's still weekdays. But that only adds to the power that even in the weekdays we experience such high revelations. And in truth, the Jewish calendar is not one that ever is static. It's a constant flow because El comes after the month of Av and it's actually rebuilding the relationship after it was severed or in some way concealed due to the building of the golden calf. The story of our connection with the divine, with transcendence, with God, our our shortcomings and our faults, betrayal, and then rebuilding and making an even stronger relationship. Moshe Rabbeinu was on the mountain for 80 days and comes down to Yom Kippur with the second tablets and forgiveness and hope for the future. So the lessons are many, and now we are in the process of what the Rabbeim call Fanander Pakin de Peklach, to unpack the bundles, to unpack the treasures that we received throughout this season. Shabbos Bereshis, which we're coming from, is like an interface. It's the last Shabbos of Tishrei, but also blesses the month of Cheshvan. So as we go into what we'll call the less revelatory days, where in Cheshvan you don't have any holidays, but we're not coming unprepared. We come filled with an arsenal of tremendous spiritual, psychological, emotional resources to give us the power to deal with any challenge that we have. And that's how we have to look at this time of the year. A time when we were able to receive so much, and now we unpack, we unfold, and internalize all that we've received into our personal lives. And for each person, it has to be customized according to exactly where we are, because each of us is a unique Though we have many things in common, but we also have things that are unique. Just like we say, you educate the child according to his or her way. Each of us has your nefesh, your heart, your, all of you, your might. But it's yours, yours individually. So what each one of us has to do is assess where we are, what we receive from these holidays, what our challenges are, and unpack it into that aspect when you go on a journey. So after you come back from the journey, you unpack the luggage. The journey was in the month of Tishrei. We're still in that month, but we're now coming to the close of it and the time to begin unpacking. And that's why the Rabbeim also announced and said that after Yom Tif, after Simchas the truth is there are many stages that Rebbe explained in many places, but especially in Tov Shalamet Ches, how there are different stages of a Yaakov Halal Chaldarki, that Yaakov went on his way, referring to each one of us. 
We go now on our way, on our way back homes, back home, back to our homes, each one to our home. And this doesn't just mean physically, also means spiritually, back to our daily routines, but not in a way that it becomes another routine, but it becomes elevated through that which we received. And it really comes down to the three aspects, the three key aspects of the high holidays, which is the newness, the renewal of Rosh Hashanah, accepting ourselves, accepting our mission in life, the creation of the human being, Kabbalah Samalchus, accepting the divine as our authority, not that we just follow our own whims, but we answer to a higher authority. That's what's called having a mission. You're on a mission in life. You're not on your own. You were sent on a particular mission, and that's the greatest dignity a human being can have. The sanctity of Yom Kippur and its uniqueness, its, its singularity, you can say, the Achaz Bashana, the Yechida, reaching the deepest part of our own sanctity, our own most intimate place, the Yechida Shebenefesh, bringing sanctity in everything that we do, the Holy of Holies, where the holiest person and the holiest day enters the holiest place. So you have Zman, Mokim, and Nefesh, Elam, Shana, Nefesh, in all three areas, time, space, and man, soul, reach the deepest inner, eternal, sacred place, which means that life is not a mundane world on its own. We live in a mundane world, but it's a soulful experience that we're traveling through the mundane world in order to spiritualize it. And finally, the joy, the simcha, the joy of sukkahs, that all that comes in expression of a passionate and fervor and joy and fervor and, and excitement. And that's actually revealing that which was experienced in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur in a more state of reverence, the Gilu Baroda, that the celebration was more couched and more enclosed in the state of reverence when we're standing in a state of renewal and accepting our mission and the sanctity, but now we celebrate through song and dance. And that celebration grows and reaches its apex on Simchas Teda. So each day of our lives, we need to experience that renewal. Every morning when you say, Moida Ani, Moida Ani is essentially, Moida Ani, Melech Chai Melech, like the Kabbalah's Machos of Rosh Hashanah. Indeed, as Chassidus says, that in the, the holidays, in the Tishrei, like Tishrei is the same letters as Reshis, the head, like Rosh Hashanah, the head, the central nervous system. So the holidays are not just detailed holidays, they're Mayudim Klolim. Like the head, each one is a source for the energy of the entire year, just like the head is the source of energy for the entire body. The days of the year are like the limbs of the body. So the first comes the renewal and the acceptance of the mission, the Kabbalah Shalmach Shamayim. From Rosh Hashanah, we unpack that through saying Moida'ani every day. When we sanctify ourselves, Asher Kedeshonu B'mitzvah Sivanu, through any mitzvah, and every part, in any particular way, that's bringing the sanctity, the Gedusha, and the Yechidah of Yom Kippur into our, and unpacking that into our daily lives. You do mitzvahs, but also even even things that are so-called the neutral zone, the neutral areas of our lives. Eating, drinking. That we take our maizim and we direct them and sanctify them. That you sanctify even the things that are permissible. Not just do them, but you sanctify them. And finally, the Simcha of Sukkis and all the way to Simcha Steyr, we unpack the Ivdu Hashem B'Simcha. Ivdu Hashem B'Simcha, serving God with joy every day. So we have now, though we don't have the actual holidays, but we have their energy flowing into our beings, but we need to be cognizant and conscious of it. And when you do that each day, then every day becomes alive in a new way. It doesn't just another boring part of our routines and monotonous part of our uh, of, of our structures, but they become elevated because we're unpacking this powerful energy of Tishrei into our lives. But it needs one thing, your effort, your work, keeping that in mind. So that's a summary of the period in which we are now as we leave the holiday season. And it also an answer to the big question, 
How do we deal with the so-called post-holiday blues? Some people have that down. You know, when this holidays are exciting and so on. I know for some holidays can also be very difficult, a lot of hard work that needs to be mentioned. But it also has that elevated state. But now, we go back into the routines and we want to stay inspired. And the way to stay inspired is by realizing that this energy does not go away. It's part of us, but you need to do something. And that's why each day we need to have a mini Rosh Hashanah, a mini Yom Kippur, a mini Sukkot, so to speak. Just like Migdash Ma'at, a, a, a sanctuary, a microcosm, is a microcosm of the Beis Migdash of the Holy Temple. The same is Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot throughout the year. So with that introduction, let's address a few questions, many that came in. I have to say, and this is actually uh, a compliment to each one of you, that your questions are far, um, far coming far faster than I can respond to them, meaning faster and also in abundance. But I'll try my best. I received so many questions that this program, I was even thinking of doing a double program simply to address more questions, but we'll keep it to the usual hour, hour and 10 minutes, hour 15 minutes. But, um, but I do want to acknowledge that, and it's a good opportunity as we enter the new year to welcome those that have, are here for the first time listening to this program or those that have been listening for a while or a short while. So as I said, even if you've been listening for more close to the, we're in the ninth year, it's always supposed to be renewed. Every day, every second is renewed energy. The perpetual creation that God creates in a perpetual way, as the Alter Rebbe explains from the Baal Shem Tov in the beginning of Shai Yuchad Vamuna. So, so too, we have to experience such renewal, which goes back to the point of Rosh Hashanah. So I want to thank you for your questions. Thank you for your comments. I'll read some of them and do some follow-up later in this program. And please keep them coming. Go to chassidusapply.com, a dedicated website just to this program and other resources around chassidus, applying chassidus to our personal lives. So there, there's a forum where you can submit any question anonymously, completely confidential. No one knows where it came from because it's a forum, and that's, that's, the, that's, that's our preference as well. You could obviously share your name or email address if you want a direct response, because we can't respond unless we know, unless you tell us how to respond to you. And there as well, you'll find the archives of all previous programs, plus other many resources and I might as well also use this opportunity to invite you to a daily class I give in Ayin Beis, Hemshech Ayin Beis, the classic magnum opus, the Mount Everest, you can say, of Chassidus, uh, Primis Atera, of the Rebbe Rashab. And you'll find all the details at chassidusapply.com. Okay. So here are a few questions that came in. I'm just doing a select that capture the... the the gist of most of the questions. What does it mean that after the Tisha holidays we need to unpack the bundles? Another person wrote it. Can Rabbi Jacobson explain what the Rebbe meant when he said after the Tisha holidays we have to find and the Peklach? So I believe I just explained that. It's an expression from, I believe it originates from the Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe, but it's probably from previous Rabbeim. And the explanation is the Peklach are the, the treasures and the gifts that we receive throughout the holidays. And unpacking it means internalizing it into our lives, as just explained. Another question. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, what are some of the second chance holidays the Torah gives for those who weren't able to maximize the full energy of or participate completely in the Tishrei holidays? I know there's a concept of Yom Kippur cotton. But is there also a Simchas Teda Katan or Simchas Teda Sheni? Is there another day where the energy of the day is drawn down by dancing? Can a person spontaneously dance for a few minutes after a weekday Sachris to make up for the lackluster Simchas Teda, if it was indeed that case? Okay. And the answer is, well, actual second chance holidays, we know Pesach Sheni, is literally Pesach Sheni from Pesach Lishen, from the Teda itself. The idea of Nishtakim Farfal, that nothing is uh, lost. There's always a second chance. And we learn from that, that in every situation that is. But 
to say halachically that there's another, there's a Simchas Teir Sheni, we don't put it in that language. But the concept, of course, exists. First of all, there's the idea of tshuva. Tshuva always means there's a second chance over anything. Anything that wasn't done completely, you can always complement and always complete. Secondly, as we just said with the Moedim Klolim, these are general holidays that are meant to be unpacked. Now, unpacking is one thing. If indeed you feel that wasn't completely done, and, and, and let's be honest, who did Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Simchas perfectly? Is there such a person? So we all can use more renewal and more sanctity and more joy. But even if, uh, you, if you're aware of it, so obviously you have a whole year, because it's all about the relationship with God is not only in Tishrei, it's a whole year round. It's just that in Tishrei there's a surge. There's the Kiru of Hamoyed al where the soul, each soul, is closer to and more revealed and more accessible. Karuv says, Dirshu Hashem b'imotze karua karuv. It's a time when there are less layers, less blocks, less obstacles. But all year round we serve God, and God is everywhere and all the time, in Eid Movadeh. So besides the fact that there's a second chance, so to speak, in anything to make it better, there's also the fact that the holidays actually give us strength to do it that way. And strength is the holidays as well. When you bring Rosh Hashanah, your mini Rosh Hashanah, into every Moida'ani, and every time you celebrate and renew the contract of your mission, you're strengthening the Rosh Hashanah experience. And the same thing with Yom Kippur, the same thing with Sukkot. Yom Kippur cotton, interesting, yes, it's called Yom Kippur cotton, which indeed is a form of a Yom Kippur. Every month we have that aspect. And you could say every month is also like the renewal of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a new moon. And, uh, and the idea of Simcha, joy, is also constantly being renewed. But Yom Kippur cotton is specifically spelled out. So that could be a discussion why Dafkim Kippur cotton, why is there no Rosh Hashanah cotton, Simchas cotton, or Sukkot cotton. But thank you for your question. And bottom line is, you could always make up. And more than that, we are obligated to actually draw from the energy. Remember, the Reish is there all year round. The body is always being fed by the head. The fact that we, whether we access it completely or not, that's up to us. I mean, actually, that's what a healthy person is, constantly drawing from the source, from the mind and the heart. And if something was, uh, God forbid, compromised, you can always strengthen it, just like physical exercise draws more energy from the head and strengthens your muscles and your nervous system, the same thing in Ruchnis and spirituality, that we can constantly be drawing from that place. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, another question in this uh, spirit. A note was being forwarded on social media quoting the Rebbe Rashab saying that the 48 hours of Shemini Atzeres and Simchas Teres should be highly treasured. Every moment is an opportunity to draw buckets and barrelfuls of material and spiritual treasures. And this is accomplished through dancing. Yes. My question is, I danced on Shemini Atzeres and Simchas Teres, so what happens next? Is the dancing itself the keli, the container, I need to receive these brachas, these blessings, or is there something additional I must do to make a container for these blessings? What do I do? What do I have to do now to see these brachas fulfilled with my physical eyes in a revealed manner in the physical reality we live in? So I believe I explained this as well earlier. I'll just sum it up. It's a beautiful quote, a powerful quote from the Rebbe Rashab, which captures this whole idea especially about and I should add, even though the Rebbe Rashab doesn't say it, but in another Pisgum, it says that that which we can accomplish Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur through tears, we accomplish through joy. So you see the connection again of the whole month. So dancing is definitely a keli, because dancing exp- expresses that exuberance, that joy, the celebration with Hashem, and with the Torah, and that alone is the keli. But as we always know, firstly, every keli can always be broadened and expanded. So to say to dance and then go to sleep is not the kavon. You have to also do other things. We have tayag mitzvahs. 
the ones we can do physically, the ones spiritually. And throughout the year, we have our obligations. So if you really want to make a keli, you want to continue making keli. It's like a person who's in business, doesn't just say, okay, I ran a marketing campaign, or I did some other things, and I sold a lot of, uh, a lot of product, and I made money. He's not going to stop there. He's going to make more keli. He's going to make more effort, more containers, more channels. That's number one. Number two is that dancing, no question, that's our, that's our mission is to dance. That's the Veda Sayyim, the work of the day. Other days of the year, though they have to be saturated as well with joy, but every day has its Aveda, Kol Yem V'Yem Avedavidita. person has to go to work, so still they should do it with joy, but you can't always be dancing quite like we do dancing on Simchas Teda. So we take the Simchas Teda, as I said, we internalize it, like a mini Simchas Teda in our days. But every day has its work, just like there's the six days of the week, and Shabbos has its mission, its purpose. And same thing with other holidays. So that alone tells you that the kalim are not just dancing. Simchas Teda is through dancing. Shminetzes is Simchas Teda. Now about seeing these brachas, we're going to talk about it more throughout this program because there are a lot of questions that came in about that topic. You pray, you don't always see results. So firstly, the fact that we don't always see results doesn't mean there are no results. It could be expresses itself in ways we don't always recognize till later. Secondly, it could be that we need more effort. Like we say about davening, every prayer is answered, but sometimes you need to open more doors. So I would never become demoralized or in any way um, dejected by the fact that you don't see immediately the brachas. The Rebbe Rashab says, You dance, you can dance more. So as I said before, you can always add to it later in life, later in the year. But you did whatever you could do then. That created a channel, a container, a keli. And now we have to do more. And in general, that's the approach in a relationship is you don't always say, unless I see results, I'm not going to commit more. Relationship is a relationship as it's like you have a relationship with your spouse, with your children. It's not conditional. You do this, I'll only do this if you do that, tit for tat. Relationship is a full-bodied experience, commitment to your mission. And that itself is the biggest simcha. In addition to that, very often we're blessed and we see the nachas and pedas. Many times people only see the things that they're lacking. But you have to also look at all the beautiful things, the things we take for granted at times. Every morning, give a new life. Health, parnosa, nachas from children. Now, should, do we want more? Absolutely, ask for more, make more kalim. But we have to also be recognized that there are many blessings that are already happening. And just because it didn't happen in the level that you wanted to be, you wanted a lot more, but don't take for granted that which one has. At the same time, by all means, God should be, uh, we can expect from Hashem everything. And it's a constant relationship of us doing what we have to do and can do. And in return, Hashem blesses us. Are there mysterious things that we can't understand? Absolutely. At the end of the day, there's one God. But look at the Jewish people. With all our challenges, we're here today, thousands of years later. Is that not the ultimate bracha? But again, that's, I'm not suggesting that we should satisfy with that alone. We're always looking for more. So when we say, Ezu Asher Samer Bechalke, we're talking about Gashmis. You should be happy with what the blessings that you have. But in Ruchnis, you're always looking for more. But the truth is that when you do more Ruchnis, also more Gashmis comes. More material comes. Why do we only dance with the Teda and Simchas Teda? Every time we take out the Teda on Monday, Thursday, and Shabbos, we should dance with the Teda. Besides the good energy and fun, no, fun is the right word, but okay, dancing is good exercise for those who ate too much chant and sponge cake. Okay, I get the point. Um, okay, well, this is a question you can ask about every holiday. Is Pesach, we celebrate Zmanche Roseno when we transcend all our limitations and boundaries 
going out of our Mitzrayim v'gvulim from the word Mitzrayim, our limitations, our constraints. But isn't that the Aveda all year round? And indeed, we say Zechli Yitzis Mitzrayim, we're always remembering Mitzrayim every day. And in many mitzvahs and many different uh, pr- prayers. So the answer is that there's one, day, one period of the seven or eight days of the year when it's in full glory. That is the channel, the tzinet, the shar, the gate through which Cheresen was coming into our lives. Because time is energy. And from there, we draw it into every other day. Like I said before about the holidays of Tishrei. So of course Simcha State is here with us every day. But at the end of the day, to make something special, there's a special time designated for it. And then, Hanukkah has its energy, Purim has its energy, Shavuos has its energy, and every day and every holiday has its particular energy. But the other energies are also channeling then, but then it's through a different gate, through a different shot, a different channel. So we have to remember that life is multicolored, it's diverse. And yet within the diversity, there's iskalos, there's interconnectivity with all the other holidays. And the fact of the matter is that we do take out the Sefer Teter from the Arun Kedish, though we don't dance like Simcha's Teter, but it should be done like everything with Simcha, and especially Teter. Because Hashem Yisharim Esam Chilev, it should be done with an upbeat spirit and so on. When we end the Sefer Teter, no matter when it is in the year, it's like Simcha's Teter, we do dance. So everything has its time. Another point to be made is an expression in the Gemara, someone who praises God like Halel. Why don't we say Halel every day for all the blessings? So it's considered like you're insulting God. What does that mean? Because you stop appreciating. If you, you hear someone say thank you every second, there's something wrong. Because then the real thank you is not appreciated fully. So saying Halel is for unique and special activity. Now you say, I always feel a unique connection to God. Fine, there's other ways to express it. But in a way, it takes away from the specialness of something if you do it constantly. Not just that tainuk to me, the ain't a tainuk, that ongoing pleasure is not real pleasure, but it also becomes somewhat uh, bland. Now you could ask, what about those tzaddikim that experience it every moment? Why can't they say howl every day? It's a good question. We can discuss it. But also relative to them, it's the same idea. So to say that I'm always experiencing the same high Sounds good on one end, but also can start becoming somewhat, uh, as I said, somewhat static. There is an element of chidush that's necessary. That you experience a renewal on Rosh Hashanah that you don't experience other times of the year. That doesn't mean you can't experience it in a microcosmic way. But that there's something unique. And that uniqueness, even in na- human nature, is, is special. That I'm waiting for a special day. Yes, every moment you're re- reborn anew. And yet, your birthday is a special day. Same idea. And that's why we say, Taka, that the world was created, Yesh Ma'ayim, Breshiz Baralekim. First time was Chidush Gomer. Then every second God renews existence, but it's called Chidush HaYeshenus. Chidush HaYeshenus, which means renewing something the way it was. Like when we're renewed, we're not renewed like we're born like a newborn child. If you're 20 years old, you're renewed as a 20-year-old. The world remains the same world. However, the energy in the world is a new energy. So there's something to be said when something is actually completely new. And that's why you make Shekhiyonu and other things. You don't make Shekhiyonu because every second you were new, why don't you say Shekhiyonu? Because then you stop appreciating that, 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 that total renewal. Not to take away from the renewal that we have all the moments of our lives. Okay. So that covers somewhat uh, post-Tishrei. Let's go to another category. And that is, let's talk about Hakel. Something I wanted to talk about through Tishrei, but through the schedule, some of the programs couldn't be done because of Yom Tov was all Sunday nights. The Rosh Hashanah and the Sukkot and the last days of, of Yom Tov. So let's talk about Hakel. And then I want to go back to uh, the prayers and a few other related topics to the holidays, and hopefully we can cover even more than that. Let's see how far we can go with the time allowed to us. So 
a few questions came in, but let's talk Hakel is this year. Hakel is every seven years, the year following Shemitah, the Torah says that in Hakel, on Sukkot, that the Melech, the king, all the community gathered, Hakel, Noshim, Noshim, Betaf, men, women, and children, and even the youngest children, and the, the Melech reads to them from Torah in order to what? To arouse and inspire them. They should stand in reverence and awe of God all their lives. Here again, you see the same idea. One second, aren't we supposed to have Yiddish Hashem all the time? And yet, there's a special designated time once every seven years following the Shemitah year. This is one of those years, Hakel. Now, Hakel was performed al Pitera in the time of the Beis Amigdash and the Melech. Today we don't have a Beis Amigdash physical and a king, a physical king, but the Ruchnius of it is there, and the Rebbe has in many ways reawakened this uh, mitzvah, at least a zecher to it. The Rebbe explains at length in many sikhs that he spoke about Hakel, why there's no zecher or Hakel, and actually like you have zecher to other things that happened in the time of the Beis Amigdash. And actually the Rebbe says it's even more than a zecher, because we're supposed to live it. So the idea is, just as uh, everything in the Beis Amigdash, just carbonus, tefillahs became carbonus tiknum, prayers replaced offerings in the Beis Amigdash, so that we should also experience hakel. And indeed it has caught on in many places that hakel has become a year of more gatherings, so even though Moshe Rabbeinu designated there should be Lahakal Kehilis every Shabbos and Yom Tif, and that's one of the reasons there's Fabrengans and gatherings on Shabbos and Yom Tif. But Hakel has a special feature because every seven years there's special power of this unity, and especially the emphasis on Noshim, Noshim Betaf adds to really the unity of all segments of and all demographics. So with all the value of it, Avos Yisrael, Achdus Yisrael, uniting, and uniting toward dedicating ourselves to God, or reverence of the divine, has all those qualities. And the Rebbe encouraged every Hakel year that we should create Hakels not just on Sukkot, but throughout the year. So in a way, it became even stronger than it was in the time of the Beis Amigdash. The Beis Amigdash was also only done on Sukkot. But here's a Shnas Hakel, it's a year of Hakel, similar to Simchus Beis Hasheva, which was also only done the second or third day of Sukkot, as the Gemara explains. But it's Kalkolosan Zui Takanosan, that now we can begin from the first night, because since we don't have the Beis Amigdash, so we're not doing it with instruments, and we can also extend it throughout the whole Sukkot. So basically, Simchus Beis Sheva is also a similar. But that the fact that we don't have the base, I mean, this actually expands the celebration. So a few questions that came in about this. Let's uh, just read them. What's the big deal about Hakel? What does it mean? And what's the big deal about it? I see lots of signs all over the place, but it seems that's just another excuse for making speeches. What is it really about? Okay, like always, I always read letters exactly as they're sent. I, I rarely censor them unless it's something inappropriate or offensive. So, why? Because I want, I want to hear, and I want everybody to hear the voice of people. People should feel comfortable. So, though it's not a tone that I would have personally written or suggested, but it is the tone because obviously this person, the person writing does not feel the relevance. The answer is it's not about speeches, and it's not another excuse. It's actually a beautiful, beautiful idea. I mean, if I were to say to you that you should come together with your family once in a while, even beyond holidays and Shabbos, and sit together and talk and tell stories and smile together and inspire each other and connect to God and the mission, you wouldn't say that's meaningless. That's really what Hakil is on a, more, on a more grand scale, more communal scale. But it also means on a personal scale. When the Rebbe spoke about Hakil, he talked about in offices, getting together with people working. We all know when you meet meetings, actually create a strength. Now, we're not talking about a business meeting, strategic meeting. We're talking about a meeting just to talk to each other, just to connect. So Hakel is a connecting force, and that's a beautiful, beautiful concept. Unfortunately, like this person, I'm sure others as well, have, have, well, see it far more as something so superficial. 
But that's either due to the way they're experiencing it or the way it's being presented. But it can be presented in the most beautiful way. I mean, I can't see any downside. Yes, if it's misused or, 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 or not used properly, fully, it can come across as something that's uh, like meaningless. But that's true with everything. Shabbos and Yantif, Chaz B'Shalom, Mitzvah Sanoshim Alamada, where you do things mechanically. But we have the opportunity this year, and the energy of this year, to create a tremendous force. And today, with technology, it gets even stronger. Because technology connects us even when we're separated in physical time and space. So you can have tremendous digital hakels, if you wish. It does not replace a physical one. But at the same time, it's, the point is the unity of it. And the joining together toward one end, the Yiras Hashem Alekeichem. And something that will not just be for this year, but for entire lives, such inspiration. Imagine coming to a gathering that inspires you in that fashion. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, if the main mitzvah during a Hakel year was for everyone to visit the Beis Amikdash to hear the king read from the Torah, how can we observe the spirit of this commandment without a Beis Amikdash and without a physical king? We have been taught that we cannot build a third Beis Amikdash by ourselves. We must wait for Hashem to do it at the right time He chooses. But can we elect a king and perhaps everyone can meet in Prosper Park and hear him read the Torah? Well, so, as I said before, the Beis HaMikdash physically and all the activities that went on, we can't do most of that physically. But we can do it spiritually. For us, the Mikdash v'shachanti b'seicham. It says, build for me v'shachanti b'seicham. I will reside b'seicham within you, within our heart and soul. We can make our home a Mikdash Ma'at, just like where Shul is a Mikdash Ma'at, a mini-sanctuary. The same thing with the Melech. We don't have the Kohen God leader in Rosh Anyam Kippur. And yet we say that there's the Kohen God within each one of us. And just as the Kohen God went into the Holy of Holies to pray and his prayers were fulfilled, we say Yehid and the Aved of Yom Kippur should also be through our prayers. So there's the Melech within each one of us. It says, Kol Yisrael Melochim Heim, Bnei We're all kings, we're children of kings. So the idea can also be applied to each one of us that you read the Torah to your family, to your community. Is it the actual mitzvah is the way it was? No, it's not. But that it's a, a replica, if you wish, or a spiritual microcosm of it. In addition, people always saw the Rebbe as a melech, a hibishur melech. Not getting into now whether legally a melech or not a legal melech, but the point is, a melech, a leader, a nosi. That's why Hakel, so many more chassidim, more money, many people came, visitors, to see the Rebbe. I remember hearing a story from Rabbi Tuv Yubloi that the Rebbe paid for his expenses to come for Hakel. I think it was in Tovshin Lamed Beis was the year, uh, was Lamed Gimel, Lamed Dal, I'm sorry, Tovshin Lamed Dal. Lamed Gimel was Shemitah, Lamed Dal was Hakel. And the Rebbe wrote to him that there's a daya, I think, but a daya, that the mitzvah of Hakel is on the Melech. So the Rebbe was alluding, that's why I'm paying for your expenses, for your coming here to, to, to New York. I have to look into more of the details of it, but the point being is that there is the concept, especially with the Rebbe. Now today, the Rebbe lives among us, Baruchni is for sure. So you can say many coming, many people coming to visit New York, Crown Heights, was overpacked during the holiday season. And I'm sure during this year of Hakel will be more than usual for the same reason. So not everything is exactly necessarily. We, of course, want the Beis Amir Shashlishi. We want the actual Melech HaMashiach here. Physical king, Basar Vedom, Shama Baguf, a soul and a body. But whatever we can do, Beruchnius, we must do. As long as it's obviously within the parameters of Teir and Halacha. But the spirit of it, the spirit of a mitzvah, the mitzvah is a nitzchizdike mitzvah, the mitzvah of hakel, the mitzvah of the melech reading. And the idea of the melech reading is because he's the leader that's reading the Torah for us. So that leads, uh, uh, that, that, that adds to the inspiration. So we have to access the melech within each one of us, the Rebbe within each one of us, if you wish. In Pashas Vayelech, Moshe Rabbeinu says, every eight years during hakel, we must go to the, hear the Torah being read by the king. The problem is we don't have a king of Israel today. We just spoke about that. Can we ask 
Okay, I don't know if this is a joke or what. Newly crowned King Charles III to read a portion of the Torah for us. It doesn't have to be a Jewish king. Well, Api Allah has to be a Jewish king, first of all. Second of all, um, I don't know the category of king of, of King Charles, or the actual king, Api or not, but regardless, it has to be a Jewish king. And for the obvious reason, we're talking about reading the Torah. We're not talking about just the respect that you have to a king or the bracha that you make. Again, you have to look, ask a local rabbi whether you make a bracha over the king or queen of uh, England or other countries. But the point being is, just to go in, reiterating what I said before, the recreating of the king has to be a pitera, meaning a Jewish king, king who's going to read the tera, and, uh, and whether it's the king within us or the king that we symbolically look at as a rebbe or any leader, man malkara bonon, is also have to have the name like king, so on, Arov. That's the way we have to look at it. Okay. Has the Rebbe ever said that a hakel year is the most opportune time for Mashiach to come? My recollection is that yes. And the reason being, because it says when Mashiach comes, call God Yeshua Heino. Call God a great community, the same word like hakel, will return. So Hakel has a direct connection, besides the fact that we know that just as the Besamidash, the second temple, was destroyed due to the opposite of Hakel, sinaschinam, baseless hatred, so obviously when there's, there's, there's the baseless love, meaning unconditional love, it says Gula to rebuild the Besamidash and bring Mashiach. But if I recall correctly, the Rebbe did mention it some time, several times. I don't remember if he said actually it's a Gula or opportune time, but he definitely connected it to call God Yeshua Vaheno, or Bibarenu Biskeneno, like it was when we left Mitzrayim. Atam Tluktu Echod Echod. The Ibishtu will take everyone by their hand, each individual, and bring them together. Keep it Goliath, reuniting everyone. So Hakil is exactly that theme. So definitely an opportune time, an opportune way to help speed up and bring the Gaula, which is already overdue. Okay. So now there's a whole bunch of questions that came in. I'm just trying to follow, I'm, I'm going to try to uh, prioritize. So this is one, uh, one of those topics you don't like to talk about, but since it is a topic, and I get a lot of questions about it, may not be relevant to everyone, but I want to address it. And that's the topic of getting drunk on Simchus as the person writes it, follow up on alcohol on Simchus Dear Rabbi Jacobson, why do some feel that Simchus must include getting drunk, and what can we do about it? And more specifically, dear Rabbi Jacobson, I hope you had a wonderful, uplifting yontif, and I'm looking forward to the resumption of the My Life Chassidus Applied classes. I've written previously about the heavy focus on alcohol consumption in our Lubavitch society. And while I do occasionally have a l'chaim, an odd choice of term for a substance that has killed many, I generally am able to enjoy the chag without it. But I really abhor the idea that if you're not drinking alcohol, then your celebration of Simchas is deficient. On Simchas this year, two different people made similar comments to me that really got me thinking. At the Kiddush held at my shul, modern Orthodox, Prior to our I was drinking a glass of water. Someone approached me and said, hey, what are you drinking there? I responded, water. He, he said, hey, you're not drinking a l'chaim. I said, yes, I happen at this moment to not be drinking alcohol that is known to kill people. He said, well, then I don't know if you're a real Lubavitcher chosid. I responded, yes, I am not a real Lubavitcher. I gave up on that a long time ago. The man, visibly confused, turned and walked away. The next day on Simchus afternoon, I was walking in the street with my children, a man who appeared to, be, to belong to the Chassidish community, not Chabad, walking, was, walking in my direction, whom I have never met, waved his hands to get my attention, to get my attention and said, wow, it's Simchas Teda, and you're walking in a straight line? I did not respond, but looked at him blankly. He said, you're a Chabadsker. Don't you get drunk on Simchas Teda? I glared at him and said, I'm not a Chabadsker. This time it was his turn to be confused, and he walked past me. I said sternly, I did not appreciate that comment, especially in front of my children. Have a good yomtiv. 
So first of all, kol kavod to all of us for projecting the message to the Jewish world from modern Orthodox to Hasidic that a Chabad Chassid gets drunk on Simchas Well done. Obviously, this is said facetiously. But really, though, are these people correct? Am I really not a proper Chassid if I do not drink L'chaim at every spare moment and I am misrepresenting my community if I walk in a straight line on Simchas Obviously, I know the answer, but honestly, what went wrong in our Chinuch and the way we project ourselves to others, that the association of Chabad and Simchas is one of alcoholism and drunkenness. I know these, these two individuals were speaking in jest, but as someone who takes pride in being an active father and Shul, and Shul Clay Kedish team member on Simchas I feel it is sad that people outside our community have a hard time believing a sober Lubavitcher can exist on Simchas What can we do to fix this problem? Thank you, and wishing you a wonderful year ahead. Well, I agree totally that it is a problem. Even when Chassidim said L'chaim, in the best times, before the Rebbe made Xeda, that should be clearly spelled out. Xeda, a decree. He called it Xeda, not to drink more than four cups. And he didn't say Simchus Teda was an exception. There were times the Rebbe made exceptions, but there were a few times only. That means other times were not an exception. So even before that, when Chassidim drank L'chaim, it was never an end in itself. Was that to get drunk? That's like hepachateira in every possible way. To lose sober, to, to not be sober, to not think straight. The idea of simcha, let me say, Adela Yoda, Chayiv Inish Lipsuma Purim, Adela Yoda ben Harur Homan and Baruch Mordechai, was not meant that you become crazy and reckless. That was a state higher than the rational structures of existence, a state of transcendence. And it was always seen as a means to an end. So first of all, it was about getting more transcendent, not getting high, not getting drunk, and not becoming less inhibited. But to connect to a deeper place. And secondly, it was a means. There's a whole passion that says, not like for all the good intentions. And they were tzaddikim. They're called. As Moshe Rabbeinu told Adam that he thought B'gdesha Akarev would be him and Moshe and Adam, but it's actually not even a view. And as the Erechaim explains that their passion and their love and their yearning and longing was what drove them to go into the Kedush Kedoshim. But they went in drinking with good intentions, but it became a somewhat of an end in itself. So it says how you're supposed to enter There are conditions because it's not meant to become frivolous. It's a very powerful force. And it's not about shikurim and drunkenness. It's about transcendence at best. And that too only as a means to an end. This was always what was known. Once the Rebbe made the Xeda, without getting into all the explanations, but one is very clear that it's misused. Drinking has become a social thing. It's a social interaction. There's nothing to do with chsidis, with teda, with gahat. People having fun. So how is it different than just any type of social interactions? People just taking cocktails or drinking stamazet. And unfortunately it has seeped into this society. And it's important to, I'm not the person that likes to get up, I'm going to make a protest because I don't know if that's going to make the help. But we have to set the record straight for sure. Chassidus Chabad, Chabad, Chabadzker, Lubavitch, is about being Mashiach. It's about being, revealing godliness in this world. Being a chassid shayid, a person who goes lefnim mishur sadin, avis israel in abundance, uh, occasional lachaim that helps in that direction, one thing. And yes, you could dance simchas teira without saying lachaim. There's nowhere it says that the only way to, to dance on simchas teira. We said before the Friedrich Rebbe Rashab said through the kudim. That's what he said. Through dancing, you access those treasures, those barrels of treasures of Shmini Yatseris and Simchas So whenever I hear or read anything like this, right away, you know, it's painful to hear because also this misconception, which is incorrect, and especially knowing the Rebbe's attitude, anyone was by a coffers by the Rebbe, Simchas wasn't, that people drank, that was on their own cheshben, it was not necessarily always correct. But by was driven by the dancing, the exuberant dancing, the ecstatic dancing, 
everyone being lifted up to another time and to beyond time and space in ways that are even hard to describe. It was it was it was a, it was a experience. It was a ashras ashkina. That's what it was. It wasn't a holanket a chamonalitzlan. That's what needs to be conveyed to the world as much as possible. So that addresses that. Okay, let's take the next uh, section of this program and just talk about. Let's see, what do I do? Let's do some follow-up. That's what we'll do. So let's do some follow-up. I don't want to be anonymous. I was blown away by your most refreshing interview and your ideas. Thank you. This person is writing about an interview I did right before, uh, I believe, between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur about how to maximize the use of these holidays, especially for our young. So the person continues to write, I wish to add that in Israel where I live, our young people need to be groomed to the leadership positions which you believe young people can attain. If you want a million dollars, I hope you would invest it in Israel where we need a Dovid Amel to lead us with Jewish values and pride. What a pleasure you have given me before Yom Kippur. And being that this person asked not to be anonymous, I will t- make an exception and read the name Yudit Neuberger. That's by the request of the person that wrote this. Okay. There's some more follow-up, quite a lot. I don't know if I can cover it all, but let me just uh, do another few. This is about traveling to Rosh Hashanah for Uman. Hi, Rabbi Jacobson. You spoke in your show about whether or not we should be going to Uman and Rosh Hashanah. I want to relate my experience there. I'm from Crown Heights, and 11 years ago, a friend convinced me to go with him to Uman. There are a lot of positive and negative things that go on there. The negatives are the expense of the trip, the anti-Semitic attacks by local skinheads, petty thefts of your stuff by thieves who break into your room while you're in shul, drugs, I'm not going to read all the things here that he writes, mafia-controlled taxis, corrupt, bribe-demanding cops, and so many other things. None of those negative things affected me. Just like sending our teenagers to Israel to yeshiva, if the kids have the right attitude, they will have a great year of learning. The wrong attitude, and unfortunately, can lead to things that aren't positive. I went with a positive attitude to Uman, and I wanted to have a successful year by davening Rosh Hashanah in a new place, in a different style, so I could tap into a new and different positive energies that I didn't have in New York. I felt the energy in Uman on Rosh Hashanah, felt like the energy of Simcha State. I had the best davening ever in my life. The following year, some amazing blessings happened for me at my job, and my parnasa increased a lot. Do I attribute this to my time in Uman? Quite possibly, yes. Could I have achieved the same results if I stayed in Crown Heights and davened extra hard? Also quite possibly, yes. I'm not saying everyone should go to Uman. That's everyone's personal decision, if it's the right thing for them. But if someone plans to go, please first speak to someone who has been there before to teach you how to survive there. What you must bring along and what you should never, ever bring along. Don't attempt to bring anything illegal into Ukraine. The authorities would love to find a reason to arrest you in the airport. Follow all local laws. Don't leave valuables in your tent or rented room. Keep values and passports, valuables and passports in a backpack where you were, where you, which you wear 24 hours a day wherever you go. And most importantly, go with the attitude of increasing in Kedusha. If someone is not able to go, then wherever you are in Rosh Hashanah, when you finish davening, sing a song and dance with your friends for a few minutes. As if it were Simcha Teda. Simcha together. Have a sweet new year, everyone. As I said, this is a platform for people to write to, so by no means am I endorsing what this person said or am I criticizing it. I did say my comments about Uman, especially for Abavitch Choshet, but uh, like the Rebbe Rashab said, he didn't like people who say Pshet and Tanya, but if it adds a Yerushamayim, he didn't mind. If a person, especially after the fact that it added in someone's Yerushamayim, I don't think I'm going to go criticize that. But nevertheless, the I would say that yes, you should be able to find it in your cries, in your, in your Rebbe, in your Chassidus, uh, but no one taking away from anyone that gets inspired. God forbid, I would never say that, and I'm not saying that now either. So thank you for your comments. Okay. Creating change in your life. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, thank you for sharing your experience about the reluctance on your part to take your first dive into a pool as a young child. So I spoke about a few weeks ago about 
when you go from one state to another, getting out of your comfort zone, there's a reluctance because it's a new, a new experience. So I gave the example of my fear of diving into water, if you, if you recall. Anyway, this person is referring to it. Do you think that you were describing, do you think that what you were describing was your experience with being in a liminal space, going from then and then to, from sitting on the side of the pool and transitioning toward the actual dive? So he's introducing a concept called liminal space. Here is some information about the idea of liminal space, which was taken from a website called liminal, inaliminalspace.org. Liminal is from the Latin word limen, which means threshold. A liminal space is the time between what was and next. It's a place of transition, a time of waiting and not knowing the future. The problem is a liminal space does not typically feel good. Perhaps the experience of liminal space, the being on the threshold, occurs not just on a solitary micro level as in a younger diver's experience, but also on a massive societal scale. As you mentioned, we live in a time of disruption. Is it possible that these times that we live in are actually a divine liminal space? The title of your recent master class is Look Back, Move Forward. The liminal space, the threshold resides between looking back and moving forward. Herein, herein I believe, is the beauty of Hashem giving us free choice, the choice to move forward. And as we move forward into the new year, I'm sending you and your staff a thank you for all the wisdom shared through the Meaningful Life Center and wish you all a shana tova, be well. Yeah, thank you for that. I did not hear about this idea before, liminal space. But there's no question, what Chassidah says, yesh, ayin yesh. That to go from one paradigm to another, you have to go through a place that's uncomfortable. That's what makes why it's uncomfortable, because it's not an extension of the past. So actually the discomfort is actually a litmus test, a sign of true movement. That would be a perfect uh, explanation of the transition where we are now from Tishrei into Cheshven. I remember the Tav Shinun when the Rebbe spoke why Cheshven has no holidays, not one. Only month in the year has no holidays. In stark contrast to Tishrei, which is Meruba, filled with holidays. Why would it be such a, a, a radical jump? It should be a little more, a transition it should be smoother. One holiday, a few holidays. And the Rebbe explains because that's the ultimate test of Lech Lecha, the ultimate test, where we see a person in a completely new state. If there was one holiday, it would still be somewhat an extension of Tishrei. You want to take a person into a new reality, and they're drawing from Tishrei and Tehazrin. You want to put them now, there's no, nothing that is similar to the previous month holiday-wise. And see, how are you then? Well, you don't have that so-called, I don't want to call it crutch, but that oasis, if you wish, or that something to, to lean on. So that's the best proof when you take a neshama away from, the, from heaven. You send the neshama below. It's in a place that completely forgets the Torah it learned in its mother's womb. Doesn't remember the Ruchnis, the worlds of Ganadin, where the soul originates from. Because Dafka here, that through that, then you really see what a person is made of. If there was one memory or one connection to the past, you wouldn't be able to see that, the, great, the greatness and strength that we have. So we're in a place where sometimes we feel no revelation. That can be the greatest blessing. That gives you the opportunity to actually experience something completely new, a new paradigm, a new experience, both personally and both globally and societally, as this individual wrote, that's what the ghoul is. That comes from Golis. Okay. Okay, with that, I believe I'm going to conclude this program. Let me see if there's... Well, let me put it this way. There are many other questions. I was going to do more, but it's always... There's always more than you can handle. So I'm going to stop here and I'll leave some of the questions that even though there's some holiday-based and some others, I'll leave for next week. Let me conclude with a bracha to each one of you. May be a gebench to your tovshin pei gimel, some call it the tei simcha peiris gedr, shnash simcha peiris gedr, ploiz gedoylis, a year of abundance, begashmius and beruchnius, Great success in everything you do, materially and spiritually, all in good health. Nachas from yourself and from your children. Again, all in good health. It should be a year of Geula. Finally, a Geula, which will bring so many other blessings, all the other blessings. 
And Chassidus applied, as we begin the new year, is part of the effort of Yefutza Maynasech HaChutza. Mashiach said, to the Baal Shem Tov, that's the key. To bring in Mashiach. Everyone have a good week. We're here every Sunday, 8 to 9 p.m. Now we resume on a regular schedule after the Yom Tevim and drawing from the Yom Tevim into the year. A good Geben Shtyar and a good Tevach. Good week. Be well. This program is brought to you by My Life, Hasidus Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at hasidusapplied.com slash donate.